we continue with our look at the life of Joseph, a story well known by many, and for good reason. He's a pivotal character in the, the overall story of Israel, which is the story of God at work to bring salvation to our world. You know Joseph, the favored son of Jacob, a dreamer, a dreamer who alienated himself from his brothers. They grew to hate him, even to the point of wanting to murder him. But instead, they end up throwing him in a pit and took his robe and messed it up some, brought it to Jacob as proof that his favorite son was dead. Except that he wasn't. They had sold him for a few coins into slavery to some traders who were traveling by. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning in need of your word, your truth in our lives. Your word is truth, and we pray that you would open our hearts to it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a Bible handy this today, I'm going to ask that you open it up to Genesis uh, chapter 39. I'm going to start at verse 1. This is going to be kind of, if you're a pilot, this is going to be kind of a touch and go message. I'm going to read a verse or two and then stop there and just kind of hover there for a while and then move on. Uh, we're going to start at verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. He bought him. Joseph is now a slave. Let's talk a little bit, though, about Potiphar first. He's a high-ranking official in Pharaoh's kingdom in Egypt. He's the captain of the guard. That could mean several things. He might have been the head of uh, uh, Potiphar's personal security team or the palace security team or head of the prison system. But we do know that he was a highly placed government official, powerful, very wealthy in his own right, a slave owner, and a very dangerous man if crossed. Potiphar was not a man to be messed with or betrayed. Well, on to verse 2. And there's a, a very key phrase right here at the front end of verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. It's an amazing story. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar discovers that Joseph is a very bright, talented manager, very good at everything he does. And so he puts him to work and eventually everything about running his household is given over to this Hebrew slave. Smart guy, Potiphar. And Joseph thrives under the blessing of God in a very challenging situation. 
Verse 4, Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. And that had to do with special dietary laws that he had to obey, Potiphar had to obey, to keep his religion right. Well, we might say that it's Potiphar who is the smart one here, letting Joseph take over the day-to-day -day running of his house. He was bright, Potiphar is bright enough to let this happen and reap the benefits of Joseph's good work. But we know that it is God at work here. The Lord was with Joseph, blessing him. And in turn, blessing the master of the house as well. Potiphar was free to go out about his business as captain of the guard without a care in the world about his house, knowing that the home front was in good hands. But trouble is on its way. Verse 6b, now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Verse 8, but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Joshua's response to this temptation is simple and it's instructive. Verse 8, he refused. He said no. Now, a little aside, it, it must seem a little obvious at first, but Joseph has changed over the years. He's totally committed to God the God of his fathers. He must have heard stories from Jacob about the history of that family. You go back and read the first part of Genesis. Powerful stories. And Joseph had heard them. And he had time, maybe in that well, or as he marched to Egypt in chains, he had time to think about his relationship with the God of his fathers. He is now humble before his master and concerned that he served Potiphar and his household well. He's not willing to put that in jeopardy for anything. 
Even the strongest temptations will not change his commitment to be loyal to his boss. And he is loyal to Potiphar. But his true loyalty is to God himself. And he is unwilling to bow to any other God or to any temptation that would lose that relationship with the one and living God. So when did this rather brash dreamer turn into such a mature God-honoring servant? Somewhere along the line, Joshua had sold out to God. He had time on his hands, an opportunity to think about his life and his place in it. And he must have processed the whys of his life with great care. Why do my brothers hate me? He might have been able to figure that out. Why do they want to kill me? Why are they willing to sell me into slavery? Why is God letting this happen to me? Where is God while I'm down here in this pit or marching through the dust to Egypt? Why am I held captive? Why is my life such a mess? And then the other side, Lord, how could I be so fortunate? How could I be so blessed as to find myself in the house of Potiphar? and not on some work crew out in the desert putting bricks together for the next pyramid. His life had changed for the better and he knew it. And he knew that it was all a gift from God, the God who watched over him. It's almost too good to be true, but he knows that God has given this life to him and he is grateful. Well, as the saying goes, the plot thickens. He's absolutely loyal to Potiphar and God doesn't save him from trouble. Verse 11. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us, to make fun of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. Well, she kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. And then she told him this story, that Hebrew slave that you brought into our house. He's putting the blame on him. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. Why did he run? Why not stay and, sell and tell the truth? Why not put the wife on trial and all of her accusations? He didn't run from the thought of being caught. He ran from the temptation. 
He ran from the evil intent of this woman who was unfaithful to her husband and willing to bring him down with her. There was no way that Joseph could win this. First, he refused her advances. She wasn't used to that kind of treatment. But then he had to run. And that is actually a very appropriate response to temptation. Verse 19, when his master heard the story, his wife told him saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. These are very dangerous moments. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Really? Just prison? Under most circumstances, a slave committing such an offense would be put to death almost immediately. Did Potiphar know his wife so well that he didn't quite believe her story? He spared Joseph's life, but he still threw him in prison. Last part of verse 20. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Here we go again. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. We're spending an entire summer following the life and times of a talented, good-looking guy from the family of Israel. He lived thousands of years ago. Why are we looking at Joseph so carefully? We've already been given a little hint in Romans 15:4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. You need some hope today? Do we need hope in our world today? I think so. And so we benefit from these recordings. But what about temptation? Joseph gives us two strategies, at least, for dealing with temptation. Number one, refuse to yield to it. He said no. And then when it kept coming, day after day after day after day after day, he ran. That was actually quite a struggle to get out of that cloak and to run away. If refusing isn't enough, then run. If it saved Joseph from falling into grievous sin, and it'll work for us too. Oh, I know he still went to prison, but it could have been ever so much worse when God was with him protecting and guiding him to even higher things. 
Let me close with verses from Paul in 1 Corinthians 10. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, the way of escape, so that you may endure it. Wonderful words of hope. Let's pray together. Gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for these good words. We thank you for the character of Joseph, who teaches us so much today. We pray that you would take these truths into our lives, into our hearts. Help us to live in them and to love them, to learn from them and to grow in the grace that you give to us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.